welcome to the Practical Research Parenting Podcast. Here's your host, Nicole Weeks. Hello. Sorry I've been silent for so long. It's taken a while to adjust to working part-time, plus my youngest has stopped napping, so I only get an hour or two each night for this. I'm still so excited about these autonomy support podcasts. I've read How to Talk So Kids Will Listen, How to Listen So Kids Will Talk, cover to cover, and loved it. I've also taken the leap and ordered workshop materials from FaberMaslish.com, so I'll start putting on parenting workshops in the future. Watch this space. Now finally, let's listen to the last section of the interview with Professor Genevieve Mejou. Here it is. So an area of your research that I'm really interested in is you've been looking a lot at how our beliefs influence our actions. Um, so could you tell our listeners um, what kind of parenting beliefs underpin autonomy supportive parenting? Yeah, uh, research actually on the determinants of uh, or the, the reasons why people uh, succeed in being autonomy supportive is actually really scarce. Uh, there's not that many research on it. We know a lot more about what makes us controlling. Uh, what we know, know, though, is that parents who trust that their children uh, will develop at their own pace or uh, have a hard, um, easier time to be autonomy supportive. So if I trust that my child will respond in a collaborative way or if I trust that my child will develop at his own pace and will learn things at his own pace then I'm um, it's easier for me to take his perspective and to put myself uh, in a role of support so instead of forcing knowledge or forcing uh, to learn things I'm there to to kind of create a, an optimal challenge for my child and to be there to help them um, uh, develop different things so just the we call it organismic trust uh, just to, to trust that children are naturally inclined to integrate the rules and the values they they want to learn they want they model our behavior is if we um, act in a collaborative way without judging um, they are more likely to do so um, when they're ready to learn uh, also parents who think in terms of long-term goals instead of immediate results are often more autonomy supportive so sometimes it's enough to say um, I expect the rooms to be clean uh, in the morning. Um, I feel discouraged when I see the room like that. And sometimes just that information is enough for next time that they will clean the room. You know, so sometimes we can decide that one rule is will not be obeyed today, but I give the information and I give uh, my expectations and I, and I give them a chance to do it better next time. Uh, so when we think uh, in terms of longer uh, uh, goals, we can be, it's easier for us to be compassionate and it's easier for us to take the child's perspective. Um, also parents who focus more on learning than on performance also tend to be better at taking their child's perspective. Uh, when we focus on a goal, a specific goal, or when we're in a hurry, let's say, and we're focused on something, it's harder for us to take into account how our child is feeling at the moment. So that prevents us from being more uh, autonomy supportive. So taking the child's perspective is really key in being autonomy supportive because 
to provide information about something, I must first be um, aware that this information, my child doesn't know this information. So maybe my child doesn't know why something is important or maybe my child to know that this rule uh, is important for me. Uh, also, to think of giving children choices, parents must first be uh, aware that their child's preference is not necessarily the same as theirs, mm-hmm. and they must accept this and to to support the child's own preference so they maybe they they like to to draw very very small houses with big 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 character Mm -hmm. and maybe the child the parent doesn't necessarily need to have an opinion on it um also to actively recognize children's feelings while we first must take the child's perspective. So instead of saying, I know you feel this way, to simply stop and listen and ask how they feel at the moment instead of trying to impose our values and our way of thinking on them, we can listen to their own way of thinking. And finally, uh, we know many things about obstacles of autonomy support. So stress level, worries for the child's future, daily hassles, all make it more difficult to be autonomous supportive because it makes us feel rushed. Um, Another problem is that actually being controlling does not feel that bad for the parent mm-hmm. or for the authority figure mm-hmm. uh, because the author- this research has been done with teacher and student though, um, but uh, but it the the authority figure feels that he's trying to make things happen or that he's trying to fix things when he's being controlling. So it kind of reduces their own stress. So the the detrimental impact really is on the child. So that's one of the things that makes makes it more difficult because the controlling parent will not necessarily feel that bad about being Mm -hmm. controlling. So that's one thing that we need to look out for. Also, another thing I'd like to say is that there, there's there's some parents that are more controlling than others, but really it's more a question of more controlling days and more autonomy supportive days. So all parents um, are autonomy supportive sometimes and are a little bit more controlling other times. And and I think it's to 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 try to see what makes us more controlling and what makes us more autonomy supportive. To think of of good and bad days. To feel that we can always do better with our children. So for the people, for your audience that has been listening for a while, sometimes it kind of feels um, it can be guilt prone to listen to. Uh, parenting behaviors and I think it's important to that we show ourselves the same compassion that we um, that we show our children or that we try to show our children and and to remind us that children will always give even if we react in a way that we're not too proud of on one day mm-hmm. children will always give us another chance yeah. to react better yeah. uh, with them. Uh, so that's important to uh, to think to keep in mind. Yeah, I often think that kids can teach us a lot about forgiveness because they are very forgiving. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And two other things: um, when we when we hinge our self esteem on our children's competencies and our on our children's success, that's another factor or risk risk factor. We tend to be more controlling when we enhance ourselves by through our children. We all do that, yeah. but it is a 
it, it is a way to uh, sometimes if we see that our children are failing, that's when we kind of it kind of can trigger controlling behavior where we try to fix things and we try to make them succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, and children who are less competent, who are less uh, motivated, who are more difficult, t- tend to pull for more control. Mm-hmm. So it, it, we kind of feel that these children need more control, but they don't need more control. They actually need more structure. And they need more autonomy support structure. And sadly, it is those children, the children that have uh, more um, difficulties are often the ones that benefit the most from autonomy support. So they, they don't. Yeah. Yeah. So it's some uh, researchers have tried to say that some people don't need autonomy support, but they there's no empirical support for that yet. Mm-hmm. So most people. Even the ones that pull for control are need benefit from autonomy support. Yeah, I've read somewhere that um, when people are are used to, so say a child has always had a contr- controlling parent, that they then can't get used to acting in an autonomy supportive environment. Um, but it sounds to me like they just need to learn that new environment, and they'd actually function better exactly exactly yeah. if if you take a child from a very very controlling environment and you put them in a very um even per, uh, just a, an environment where they have uh, many many choices and they're expected to take responsibility for everything when they haven't tried anything before mm-hmm. that's the challenge too high so they we kind of have to to um to give them uh, more structure at the beginning and to adjust what we expect of them to their competence level at the moment so if you've been told what to do for five years you can't expect uh, the person to make all the decisions right away they, you kind of have to to at the beginning you uh limit the decisions and you give one at a time or you adjust the structure accordingly and slowly you can uh, improve um, you can give more and more choice as the person develops their competence but but from the very beginning you can reflect their feelings and you can provide information and you so you can be empathic informational and 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 you can allow active participation but but you start where the child actually is. Oh, that's really interesting. So in a way, I guess as the child's growing up, if you start with an autonomy supportive approach, then you, you still are providing more structure at the beginning of their lives because they, they haven't experienced those decisions. They need more support. And in a way, it's sort of streamlining that for older children who are used to being controlled. I think so. Sort of... Uh, providing more structure at the start and then releasing it as they're ready. Yeah, Yeah, really interesting. And um, I know that you've mostly or most of the research I've looked at um, has been looking at beliefs in terms of, you know, individual parents' beliefs, but I get the feeling that we could use those sort of mindsets um, for our own parenting and just sort of change them in the moment. For example, um, rather than focusing on, I want this place clean, um, focusing on it as a learning opportunity to teach what cleaning up is or support children in that task. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. This every, every rule, every situation is a learning opportunity for the child. And how can I help 
him develop his competence towards that event. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. Yeah. And changing the perspective from, I want this place clean now to, you know, down the track, I'd like this place to sort of stay perpetually, mostly clean, you know? Exactly. And I think sometimes by um, being less forceful at the beginning and by uh, focusing more on uh, gaining a, a cooperation, you can, it takes a little bit more time to have the place clean, mm-hmm. but it's going to be um, longer lasting learning for the child. So you don't have to talk about the uh, cleaning in 10 years from now. Yeah. So if you keep remain in control and enforce the child to do things, what happens is that it focuses the child on the authority figure and on pleasing the authority figure instead of focusing on how to take responsibility for one's action. And the problem is that when the ch- the parent is not there anymore, who will the child look up to to decide what he should do? So by being autonomy supportive, we help children learn the values that are underlying what we ask of them. And they, we, um, and by listening them actively when they, 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 they speak, they learn to trust how they feel. They learn to trust their values and they learn to, uh, to wonder what's important about this behavior. And this is a internal discipline that they will carry on for, for the rest of their lives. So when they move on to the household, to the peer group, <laughs> will they, have inner values that guide them or will they focus on the leader of the group to decide how they should behave? And I think that's a very, very uh, important distinction. Yeah. Uh, This has been really helpful for changing my mindset, even though I've been interested in and studying um, autonomy support for a very long time. I found once I became a parent, I still had a very sort of reward and punishment kind of mindset. And this has been helpful in making me realize that I guess the way I've been thinking about cleaning up is if if I don't get them to do it now, then they're going to be rewarded by having me do it for them all the time sort of sort of mindset. But I need to be thinking like it's okay for me to clean up some of the mess and leave what is doable for them at this stage because it's a learning process. And then they can take more and more responsibility over time. Yeah, exactly. And if you can do it with them, that's even better. If you can just accompany them and you can say, let's put music on and let's do it together. And, and after a while, they won't need your help anymore. And it's funny, you you talk about the fact that you knew about autonomy support and and that when you became kid, uh, a parent, then it was harder to implement autonomy support because story is actually the same story that my um, collaborator, Mireille Jusmet, with whom I'm doing uh, this work, uh, this is her story too. And and uh, so we, she knew about autonomy support and she became a parent and she realized that giving choices and, and giving information doesn't necessarily work that well on a daily basis. And that's when they, she discovered the, the parenting program, um, how to talk so kids will listen and how to listen so kids will talk. Mm-hmm. And that's when she realized that this program offered parents a way to um, 
include autonomy supportive behaviors in every aspect of a, a life with children. So when children feel distressed, when they do not want to cooperate, when they misbehave, when they could do things by themselves, when they are doing well, where they're stuck in the role, how do I, uh, am, how can I be able to be autonomy supportive in those different uh, ways? And this program offers actually 30 skills uh, that parents can try to make their uh, way of communicating with their child more autonomy supportive. Oh, wow. Can you tell us more about that program? Because it sounds really interesting. Well, yeah, I, I would love to. Uh, this program is uh, is actually, we didn't um, uh, invent this program. This program was actually there, it is there uh, since 1980s. Um, it's a, a book that was written by two uh, mothers who were attending uh, parenting groups. So the story of the, of the program is really, uh, it's a program that's inspired by the teachings of Aim Gannott, which was a child psychologist uh, who wrote a book called Between Parent and Child to help parents with their role. Um, of educating their children. And as a psychologist, he realized that he was spending only maybe one hour per week with the children that he was seeing and, and the, the, their parents were spending most of their days with them. And so it could empower or teach parents about empathic limit settings uh, using parenting groups maybe could have a bigger impact on those children. So two of the mothers that attended uh, these groups, Adèle Faber and Hélène Majlis, I'm probably pronouncing it too, uh, in a too French, uh, so it's probably uh, Adèle Faber and Hélène Majlis, um, they, they, they attended those the, the groups and they were so amazed with what they were learning. They felt that everybody needed to know about this and so they wrote a book about their experiences with learning the, these new skills and parents just loved the book, but pretty soon they felt that they needed more concrete way to apply the principles that they were learning. So Adele and Hélène responded um, to these requests by writing the book, How to uh, Talk So Kids Will Listen and How to Listen So Kids Will Talk. So this book was um, first published in 1980. It has been translated in more than 20 languages, and it's still very uh, popular. It's extremely popular, so it's still the second most popular parenting book on Amazon out of 60,000 parenting books available. So it's, there's something that makes this book last through the years, uh, and we believe that uh, what makes this book last is that it, it teaches parents how to be autonomy supportive. And so what makes this workshop very interesting is that it really, it really reflects what it means to be autonomy supportive in every aspect of our lives. And in fact, Aim Gannett, who inspired that workshop, actually inspired the operational definition of autonomy support that we use in research. So for us, that was pretty amazing to, uh, wow. to, to realize that uh, autonomy support that has been identified to foster optimal motivation and high quality motivation um, is actually inspired by the same person. So we... We knew it was a popular program. Uh, we knew it could help parents because 
we felt that it could help parents provide all three ingredients of parenting. So to be involved and to, to offer structure, but to do so in a more autonomy supportive way. So our next question was that, is it effective? So we decided to offer the program to, um, to parents, um, and see if it has the same impact that it says that it has. So the, one of our research product is to verify the the impact of the of this program oh wonderful okay so how closely is the program linked to the book is it sort of taking the steps that are described in the book it's actually very closely linked to the book so the the first part of the book kind of uh, puts um it's um Take a, a perspective taking exercise. The book, each chapter or each session starts with a perspective exercise where parents are kind of placed in their children's shoes. So they're learning what they're, or they're hearing what their children are uh, hearing each day. And they realize how they would feel if people would, would talk to them in this way. And then after that, they are kind of ready to learn different way of communicating. Um, and so the different skills are presented using comic strips. And uh, the rest of the session is to practice uh, different ways of talking to children. Because when you read the book, you see all the different skills, but you're not necessarily uh, taking the time to practice. So it's harder to implement. Whereas uh, during the workshop, so it's really uh, very closely linked to the book. Mm -hmm. But uh, when you just read the book, you don't practice, so it, you don't do it with your children. So the change is less obvious. Yeah. So when you attend the workshop, you practice talking differently to your children with the other parents. First, you practice like just with yourself within the booklet and then you practice with other parents and then the whole work is to go out um, with your family and and change the way you talk to uh, the members of your family and that takes practice we tell yeah. parents that it's like learning a second language mm -hmm. at the beginning kind of don't know what to say so you kind of have to look at what you could say and practice it and and but the 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 effect of ch on children is powerful powerful enough i think that once you tr start implementing it you get uh, you see that the the child reacts differently so you kind of want to learn more each week mm -hmm. so it's a seven program and each session lasts for two and a half hours and throughout six the, these seven weeks parents learn uh, 30 skills that they, they they can learn to implement oh wow that sounds so valuable I've been um, realizing recently how much our interactions with our children uh, are sort of become habits or have become habits or other habits that we've picked up from how we were parented and exactly. it does take time to change. And I think a program like this where you are getting little bits of information and having time to practice is, is a wonderful way to approach learning those new skills and changing those habits. Parents can try with the book and do one chapter a week, mm -hmm. but it's easier if you can have other parents to do it and other parents to, uh, to practice with. But yeah. it's, I think it's still possible with the book, but it's harder to implement, yes. Yeah. Okay. And have you had any results from the evaluation so far? We actually, uh, we do have some results. It's only, um, 
uh, time points, so we don't have a control group yet. Uh, but the results with the parenting group that we offered are very, very exciting, actually. Mm-hmm. So we offered the how to program to 93 parents uh, separated in different groups, and we asked them to um, to report on their parenting, their experience as a parent, and the, on their child's behavior and mental health. Mm-hmm. And we asked them to answer questions before the program, after the seven weeks, and uh, again, six months after and one year later. Mm-hmm. And uh, for their children, when the children were about eight years and up, then we asked the children also to uh, complete questions about their parents' parental practices and their own mental health. Mm-hmm. And they did that before and after their parents attended the program. And what we found was that all the variables that we looked at uh, improved after the program. So parents who attended the program reported providing more structure, being more accepting and more autonomy supportive after the program. They also felt more competent as a parent. Their guilt feelings were reduced. They also um, observed positive effects on their children's behavior. So they, um, they reported that there was less conflict, less disobedience, less behavioral problems, um, and all of these effects remain stable over time. So there was a big improvement uh, from time one to time two or before and after the program. And these uh, means stayed the same for six months afterwards and and a year later. And I, I think even competence improved again from for the first six months. And what's very exciting is that children actually reported similar effects. So children felt that their parents became more autonomy supportive after the program, and they also um, reported higher uh, well-being. So this is pretty exciting because um, in programs that are targeted for uh, to uh, address behavioral problems will have effects more on reducing problems but will not necessarily increase positive outcomes mm. so we are uh, excited about this uh, these effects so now we're trying to replicate this but including a control group so what we do is that we invite parents to participate in the project and half of them um, are invited to attend the program right away, and half of them are attending the program a year later, uh, and they are randomly chosen. So before they start, they don't really know if they're going to have the program right away or not, and we explain to them how important that is to ensure that um, it, it's the scientific method to uh, ensure yeah. that the program has a real effect. So usually they can uh, they understand that, but they they do uh, they are disappointed when they're not chosen. And what we found was that this program does improve autonomy supportive parenting, mm-hmm. and the other effects were in the expected direction. But we didn't have enough people yet to be, have significant effects. Uh, but we we saw that the parents that use the skills or the parents that uh, that reported using the skills uh, all all had big, uh, better effects or better imp- they they reported improvements in all the the variables so we're confident that um, by the end of the next year we're going to have enough people to have those effects significant oh fantastic that's exciting were there many people who weren't implementing 
well, we ask parents to what extent do you use the skills at the end of the program? Mm. And um, it's more like the more they use it, the bigger effects they have. Right. So okay. we, we didn't look yet at how many people used it or how many people didn't use it. Yeah. What we know, though, is that from time one to time two, so before and after the program, I don't remember the numbers exactly right now, but with one of the scales, we could identify the children that had um, behavior problem at the at the beginning of the program. So parents are reporting that their uh, children have really real difficulties adjusting. Yeah. And at the end of program of these children, we helped 60 of them. So 60 of them uh, fell, were uh, improved or felt in, into the normal range uh, clinical threshold, you know. So at the end, so p children were having problems before the program. And at the end of the program, these uh, problems really improved at the end of the program. And that's really exciting for us because when we go into schools, we invite all parents. We don't say, uh, we don't have um, criteria where we're going to just invite the people that are uh, that are ready to learn or the people that don't have really big problems. You know, we, we, we invite everybody. So the people that attend the groups uh, often have real issues about intimidation or about problem uh, at home. So the fact that we even see effects is pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's really exciting. A bit of a, a more of a personal question. I'd be interested in, in training up in the program. Is that something that you're considering for future? There's um, a group leader material that's available. Maybe I can, I can send you the, the information where people can get access to the material. So there's the book that you can order and, but there's also the, the workshop material that you can order. Uh, in English. Uh, so the way it was set up is that the parents, the Adèle Faber and Hélène Majlis wanted parents to be able to take control of this learning or they, they wanted parents to have access to, uh, to this information. So any person can actually provide or, or give the workshop because the workshop is manualized. So the information when you order it is, is there and you can offer the group. For the research project, we wanted our uh, group leader to be trained. We wanted to make sure that they really knew how to present the material. So we do offer a three-day training on how to, to lead these groups or how to lead their workshop. We already do that for our group leaders, and we usually invite anybody that's interested uh, to learn how to uh, give those groups when we do. Mm. Oh, wonderful. Fantastic. I'll uh, certainly look into that for the future. I'm not sure I can make it to Montreal anytime very soon, but <laughs> that was my thinking. It's a three day training. So, so uh, uh, the, the, the distance may become a problem at this point. I don't know if we ever considered doing a Skype training, but maybe three days is long uh, through Skype. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's fascinating. That sounds wonderful. And it's really good that you're doing these evaluations too, because I know that uh, a lot of parenting programs that are sort of provided through not-for-profit organizations and that sort of thing um, are required to have evaluations. So this is really exciting that it's, it's going to, I guess, make it sort of more broadly acceptable. Exactly. And, and also we're, the fact that we didn't invent the program makes us less attached to it too. Yeah. And I, yeah. that's important. 
for the the objectivity of the science. So if if we found, let's say, that the program is more efficient uh, when the the children are more difficult to start with, well, that's something important to know. Yeah. And and I think the the program might work better, a little bit better for uh, parents that are more controlling to start with. But that's pretty understandable. Uh, so things like that will be interesting and important to know. But we were very. Um, um, it was really important for us to really ensure that because we can advocate this program and being telling people that it's coherent with the research on parenting. But uh, until we test it and make sure that it has the effects that it says it has, we feel less sure about it, you know. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's wonderful. I've learned so much today. Um, and so thank you so much for taking so much time. Um, so oh, it's a pleasure. Oh, thank you. So just before we finish up, could you tell us a bit more about yourself and your career? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a professor at the Department of Psychology at the University of Montreal. I uh, conduct research on autonomy supportive parenting, and I'm also the co-leader of the How To Project. Uh, this is the project where we set out to evaluate the parenting program, how to talk so kids will listen and how to listen so kids will talk, mm-hmm. uh, the one that I've talked about. Um, and uh, this program was developed by uh, Adèle Faber and Hélène Majlis. Mm-hmm. So my original training is in social psychology with a specialization mm-hmm. in human motivation. And through my early research, I came to realize just how important the social context is to promote optimal motivation. Mm-hmm. And this is also the parent-child relationship. But like you, uh, when I set out to uh, study parenting, I kind of realized that parent, um, that uh, autonomy support, one of the key features of optimal parenting, was not really well understood, especially in high-structure situation or in situation where we had to put limits to children. So this is when I decided to uh, study autonomy support more closely and where I, I wanted to understand how parents can be autonomy supportive, but in different life situations, not only when they're playing with their children, but in different areas of their lives yeah yep so fascinating and so important because um yeah I guess parents spend a lot of their lives sort of trying to direct kids and and if you only limit the autonomy support to the playtime it's it's going to be pretty limited Exactly. But in research, actually, uh, people, when they assess autonomy support, often they have assessed it by just measuring whether there's choices. Mm -hmm. So autonomy support, sometimes it's confused with providing choice, Mm -hmm. uh, which is which can be fine uh, in research because providing choices uh, is related to positive outcomes. But when it comes to applied work, that can be uh, feasible to only provide choice all the time. So um a big part of my research is to try to understand what is autonomy supportive structure. Mm-hmm. So how can we provide stru- structure in a more autonomy supportive way? Yeah, fascinating and so important. I had another question. Oh, yes, the how to talk so kids will listen and how to listen so kids will talk. Is that recommended for a certain age range or have you sort of requested parents of, with kids of a certain age or...? 
For our research, we focus on grade school because we wanted to meet the children, to talk to them, and we wanted to ask children to complete questionnaire without having the parent to be around. So that's why we we started with grade school. But we asked parents whether these skills could be applicable to younger children. And I think of the 30 skills, there's maybe three that would be more difficult to implement when children are very young. So the problem solving skill, for example, it's easier when the children are a little uh, older, Mm -hmm. but most skills can be implemented when the children are younger. And I I know also that all these skills are applicable also for teenagers. Mm -hmm. They have a book about how to talk to teenagers, but mostly the examples that have been changed, I think, to make it easier to understand. But the principles and the skills are are pretty much the same. There's also a sequel that talks about how to deal with siblings' rivalry, so how to react to uh, fights between siblings and and how to deal with this relationship so that we don't uh, foster rivalry between the siblings. So this is a very uh, interesting book also, but we had to focus on one project this time. So we'll see what happens with that. Yeah. Wonderful. Was there anything else you wanted to inform us about or? No, I think, uh, I, I think I'm done. I think, uh, I, I hope it, it gives a, a good impression of the, of the workshop so that parents will want to go and, and buy the book and, and try it at home and not just read it, but try it. Because if you understand the principles, but you don't make any changes at home, of course, there's nothing that's going to change at home. Yeah. Well, it certainly had that effect for me. I'll be, uh, I'll be getting that book next. <laughs> Well, thank you for interest in in this work and and thank you for doing these uh, interviews. I think it's a great idea to to try to put research more available to parents and so they can make their own minds and make their own decisions for what's good for their children because at the end of the day, they're the ones who who, uh, know what to do with their children uh, the most. And I think that's another reason that I'm so excited about this book is that it never addresses what the rules should be. Mm -hmm. So the parents are the ones who know what the rule, which rule, which values they want to, to teach. And I think the, it really just simply address how to communicate these rules, whatever these rules can be. And in that way, it's really a, can, that can be implemented in any culture because every adults need competence, relatedness and autonomy. And this is a way to implement these or satisfy these needs uh, for all people. Yeah, wonderful. Fascinating. So if people want to find out more about the the workshop and the book, is there a website that they can go to? Uh, there is. Okay, so it's uh, com. So it's F-A-B-E-R-M-A-Z-L-I-S-H.com. Okay, and so fantastic. That- yeah, and I'll send you the information uh, through email. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Yeah, and I'll include that in the show notes. Wonderful. Thank you again. I can't believe it's two hours or so since we started talking because I've 
Oh, wow. <laughs> it went back really, really quickly. Thank you for your interest. And if ever you um, you have success stories or, or stories that didn't go so well, you can uh, send them to me. I would be uh, very interested to know how uh, your children reacted to this material and how you reacted to it also. Absolutely. Happy to do that. That'd be wonderful. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this and, and really did learn so much. Thank you so much, Genevieve, for your time and wisdom. And thank you for listening to this series on autonomy support. If you missed any of the four episodes, it's well worth going back. There are links in the show notes at www.practicalresearchparenting.com forward slash autonomy4. That's autonomy4. I feel that building a respectful relationship with our kids where they know that they can talk to us and be heard is so important. As our lives grow more and more independent, I certainly want my kids to want to and feel safe to discuss important things with me. As I mentioned earlier, I intend to start running How to Talk workshops, initially in person and then potentially online. If that interests you, I'll include a sign-up link in the show notes. Enter your name and email there and I'll keep you up to date. The podcast episodes may stop for a while, but feel free to subscribe through Patreon and start a suggestion list. There's a link to that in the show notes too. So all the best and thank you for listening. I really appreciate your interest and support.